Welcome to Riff Raff News and this week we'll be giving a quick update on what's happening in Israel and Gaza and also seeing how that links in with the problems facing Suella Braverman. And we'll also be taking a look at the scrapping of the Bankus bonus cap. It's um, It's been another disconcerting week, hasn't it, with regard to what's happening in uh, Israel and Gaza. And uh, they're building up massive um, troops and and tank uh, battalions uh, along the border with Gaza, the Israelis, and just waiting, so uh, everybody seems to think, for uh, a land incursion. Although there has been um, differing talk over the last two or three days as to whether that's going to happen or whether it isn't. Overnight, you would have probably heard there's been a big um, falling out between Israel and the United Nations. Have you seen that? Yeah, I watched it on the news last night. Yeah, yeah. With the Secretary General and then the Israeli representative, um, yeah, obviously That's issuing right. a strong uh, uh, defence of their position. So yeah, it was all and- a bit edgy. Yeah, yes, it's it's a bit... Um, Antonio Guterres, who's the General Secretary of the United Nations, mm. um, apparently said that the... And, of course, this is open a bit to interpretation. said that the Hamas attacks had to be seen in context. And I'm quoting here, it, it's important to recognise the attacks by Hamas did not happen in a vacuum. Mm. The Palestinian people have been subjected to 56 years of suffocating occupation. Um, he also said of Hamas, nothing c- can justify the deliberate killing, injuring and kidnapping of civilians or the launching of rockets against civilian targets. All hostages must be treated humanely and released immediately and without conditions. So he's, he's it, it's, um, you can see how this could work on both side to this argument can't you you can you can see what what he's trying to do but i think it's very difficult to make a um a statement where you try to put what happened on october the 7th in a context without offending the israelis which is what i Mm. think he's done because you're regardless of what you might say afterwards and he's tried to to counter it by saying that nothing can justify it and but by putting that in the same statement they're going to be linked aren't they and i think that's what you know what um, what has happened yeah it was unfortunate uh, whether he writes his own speeches or somebody does it for him and it's mm. his second language and it was very unfortunate because you can sort of sit there and say i see what he's saying mm. but at such a great office it, it it wasn't necessary, was it? He could condemn the seventh of October, but he could also uh, uh, condemn the um, bombing of in- innocent civilians in Gaza, mm. couldn't he? Mm, absolutely, uh, because both of them are uh, against international law. Yeah. So, yeah, he could have done it that way. But he's he's trying to put the whole thing into some sort of timeline, which then yeah. begs the question. You know, it immediately puts whether whether it is a strong case, but it immediately tries to make a justification for for what happened on, or even though he's denying it, it's a it's a, it's a difficult line to tread. But you'd think, as you quite rightly said, 
you'd think somebody who's in such a position would be so careful as to as to what he says and mm. and whether his speeches are written for him or whether he has to um well i i i would assume that he reads his speeches before he goes and makes them because you'd think somewhere along the line yeah i'm sure he does somebody so. would have said to him this yeah this this might not be such a such a wise route to take um and this is all of course against the the backdrop of um of the bombing that's going on i mean horrendous bombing that's going on of of cities in gaza and we spoke on this pod last week didn't we about the advice that the israelis had given palestinian civilians to head south within the gaza strip um to uh uh to to the villages and towns in in the south below a certain line and they have um but then they, it would appear that they bombed those areas as well on the pretext. So I understand that they feel, and I think which we discussed before, that there are Hamas uh, terrorists, activists, whatever you want to call them, well, we, moving south. You know, yeah. we, we just used common sense and said, well, if they're saying basically move south and we won't bomb you, hmm. is that um, any Hamas operatives would think, well, that, that makes sense then. Hmm. Um, or not any, but maybe plenty of them, and 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 therefore it never ends, does it? And and you wonder what's really going on, don't you? You do, and they'll no doubt, you know, once the once the land operation, if that happens, and and it's and it's and it's look, it's still all the all the um, commentators are suggesting it's still looking probable, albeit that uh, I would say three or four days ago. It was a definite. I think it's interesting some of the language that's being used now, mm-hmm. um, and in support of um, a widely used phrase, international law. Which um, you know, I, 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 when does war ever, uh, ever stay within the boundaries of international law? I mean, I suppose you can look at the Second World War and say that the people were kept in prisoner of war camps under the auspices of the Red Cross. But then some of the horrendous things that were going on behind um, behind um, the lines in the Second World War were, were totally in, in breach of um, in, in breach of international law. But the the, the idea that um, if they go across the border in, with tanks and what have you, that the that these Hamas guys are are not going to melt into the civilian population, I think is for the birds. Mm. I think they're they're all just gonna disappear. It's not gonna be like a traditional battle. I suppose from the Israelis' perspective, maybe they're looking at, at um at, at uh at, you know, cutting the head off of the organization so that they get the, the major leaders rather than necessarily all of the all of the troops, because there's meant to be quite a few of them, isn't there? Quite a few thousand people mm. um, below the scenes, but um, yeah. So there's there's pressure coming. So I understand from the states and from European nations, Britain maybe not so much in terms of holding off from doing anything until they've given an opportunity to see whether they can get more of these hostages released, and they're quite broad-based the hostages so i understand there's a lot that have dual nationality so there's a lot of americans uh, 
I think there's uh, half a dozen or so Britons also being held amongst this um, uh, the 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 the, um, the two hundred and something odd now, aren't they being held? They reckon two hundred and twenty-two. Yeah. Um, so Biden's talking about um, holding off, and they're not agreeing. The Americans and the uh, and the Israelis, obviously, and I think the British, along with that, are not agreeing to this um, ceasefire that's been called for. But the Americans are talking of something. Uh, they're using the word they're in favour of a lull which um, I think we discussed earlier is a in my view that's just a less formal version of a ceasefire I suppose where things happen organically there would have to be a discussions behind the scenes even to agree for a lull wouldn't there? I can't see that, um, that you know that would happen and what's the point of the ceasefire why I think it's to, um, in theory, to build some form of trust to allow negotiations to right. So take a place. window of discussion. So the, yeah. I, the thing I was thinking of, I know that um, I think it's four hostages have been released, which is obviously very good news. Uh, but I, if I were um, Hamas, I, I, I presumably took them for a reason. Mm. And normally when you take hostages, you do it because you're going to make some demands, don't you? Yeah. Um, or uh, they're there as a sort of, oh, it's a horrible phrase, like an insurance um, against something. Mm. Um, human shields, I think. Human shields, maybe. Term, yeah, but then, then so I, I'm trying to th- put myself in their <clears throat> shoes of why would I release... Um, hostages if that's just a prelude to uh, being invaded well there was talk of this yesterday i was watching a program yesterday and they they were asking the self-same question as to Mm. what the idea was and they were saying it was a psychology um in the sense that they they've taken all of these hostages and they know that a large percentage of them are not really of military value to them but if they if they dribble out for want of a better word in small quantities these hostages then it raises the question in the west as to whether now is a good time to take full-blown military action they can prolong that for a long period of time you know releasing two or three at a time i see uh, elderly and children and, and and that could draw in you know could effectively draw on from for weeks or months, couldn't it? With but them. then why, if that's the case, then why would you do it in the first place? Why would you have had the 7th of October in the first place? What, well, what was the point? Well, the longer this the longer this goes on in the current circumstances, they're suggesting again that, um, that the... That, that when it first kicked off on October the 7th, the most fair-minded nations were 100% behind the Israelis in terms of their feeling aggrieved as to what had happened. But the longer this goes on with the Israelis bombing Gaza, the political equation and, and the, the the plates are moving effectively as to yeah. where sympathies yeah, lie. And, and rightly or wrongly, well, clearly wrongly, but this has brought the even from the comments that have been made 
ill-advisedly in certain people's views by the General Secretary of the United Nations. This has brought the issue, the Palestinian issue, back onto the front of the world's newspapers and yeah. brought it to the fore, yeah, hasn't it? 100% it has, yeah. And, and, and that, you know, it, it, it's interesting in, in history what, how these uh, dreadful occurrences often have this this mm. effect, isn't it, to get people talking. Because they're all talking again about when this is over, what needs to be put in place to ensure that both the Palestinians have a, you know, the two-state solution, have a, a state that they can, and also the Israelis can live in security, which is, you know, if anything good can come out of these dreadful events, then, um, then, then, then maybe that will... Um, We'll look back on these these things with through different eyes, but yeah, we shall see. So anyway, things will be moving on. I'm sure in the next week, and we'll catch up on the on, on the the um, yeah, on, on developments. On a on a similar note, back in this country, um, have you been? Have you caught any of the news regarding Suella Braverman and yes, and how you know how, how yes, it's the should should we be arresting um, protesters who. Uh, shout the word jihad mm. if yeah. that's the right pronunciation or not and the commissioner is it Sir Mark Rowley that's right. That right yeah yeah who who was very much a hand-picked the chosen one wasn't he yeah to, he took over from Cressida Dick didn't he yes who was well very much not the hand-picked no. uh, in the end um but uh he's been trusted with a major overhaul if we step back a bit of policing the Met if the Met is going to continue mm. And um, he started off, didn't he, about was it a year or 18 months ago, talking very tough about yeah. the need to be able to uh, get rid of um, uh, policemen. Fresh and broom. And yeah. Yeah. yeah um, and, and that the disciplinary process took too long and people. Yeah. And so people were, yeah, makes sense. We'll get some new rules, support you there. Um, and he's become quite outspoken. I, I sensed a few months ago he's becoming quite irritated because he started to um, be a little bit more defensive, mm. um, which is natural when you've been in the role a year. You sort of go a bit native, don't you? Yeah. Uh, and then this particular issue, um, I think that, that broad, I mean, you, you, you obviously researched it, but as I understand it, he's basically saying there is no legal basis to arrest somebody shouting the word jihad mm. and presumably other words in other languages. Um, and that's why they didn't. Yes. Yeah. what I picked up. And yeah, absolutely. I mean, in a nutshell, that's it. They had this protest, um, several hundred people um, uh, outside the Egyptian and Turkish embassies. Um, right. And it was organised by this Hizbut Tahrir. I don't know whether you've heard of Hizbut Tahrir. Um, they're an organisation whose whose objectives yeah. are the establishment of a worldwide um, Sharia caliphate. So they're quite broad based in terms of what they want to okay. do, and they're represented in all sorts of different countries. They've got offices in Australia, and uh, right. it started, so I understand, in Indonesia. But they're quite um, they're quite strident in what they want to achieve, um, and they've they had, as I say, these the couple of hundred people that were marching uh, uh, to liberate people in what they call the concentration camp called Palestine mm. um, and they had 
um, speakers at this particular event and a lot of them were quite strident in their language in terms of what they wanted to achieve um, and there were this there was a small percentage um, who were shouting jihad um, and that that as you quite rightly say that's where the problem has arisen because um, it was shown on TV I believe and uh, there were questions asked as to whether this was inciting racial hatred. Yeah. Um, and it all comes down to your your interpretation of jihad, and and what the um, what the commissioner is saying is that um, over a year ago now, the uh, uh, they approached the Home Secretary in the Home Office and said that the the um, uh, definition of certain language needed to be tightened up to fit it within within the boundaries of incitement to racial hatred okay. this, as an as a um, as an exercise i thought i'd have a look and see what um two of our uh, most famous dictionaries said about what their definition of jihad is so i'll give you that if you if you you're interested so the oxford english dictionary which of course is normally the fount of all knowledge has a holy war undertaken by Muslims against unbelievers. The name comes from Arabic jihad, literally effort expressing in Muslim thought, struggle on behalf of God and Islam, from jihad in the Oxford Dictionary of Phrase and Fable. So that that's what they've said. Collins have said the word jihad is derived from the verb jihada, which means he exerted himself. Thus, literally, jihad means exertion, striving, but in a judicio-religious sense, it signifies the exertion of one's power to the utmost of one's capacity in the cause of Allah. Right. So you've got almost two differing interpretations, and I think they're taking... They're taking a word from another language, which which is always difficult, isn't it, to be able to make a strict definition. And I would say, in this particular instance, I have um, I can understand where Sir Mark Rowley's coming from because I think that could be argued in court, particularly that it wasn't in a it wasn't being shouted in a violent sense. It could be argued. On the other side of the coin, you can see perhaps where where are the Home Secretary and where... Are the, because I think you've got to look at the context in which these words are being used. And in the context of that particular event, why would you be shouting jihad? I, I, I don't know. What, what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I, I got a lot of sympathy for Mark Rowley here. Uh, mm. he, first of all, he flagged the issue before this crisis kicked off. Yeah. So I think he's got the moral high ground on that. And mm. his job is to enforce the law, mm. not interpret what's in someone's or a number of people's minds when they're shouting a particular set of words. No. Uh, and I can just imagine the opposite is if they had arrested mm. a number of these, uh, presumably mainly men, I would imagine, mm. uh, protesting and and how that might have played out. So... I don't think we should be asking um, uh, Sir Mark Rowley or any other policeman or woman to um, to have to interpret what's in someone's mind. And their job is simply to police the law of the day. 
Um, makes it so mm, makes yeah. it all the more you know it makes it all the more difficult to interpret the incitement law, doesn't it? Because you're then effectively saying, and I can understand that you're leaving you're leaving an in, an interpretation of the dictionary up to a police force to be able to say what if it's words alone what words are an incitement to racial hatred i mean if if you were yeah well yes so but if if it was the law that mm. you can't shout that word in a protest yeah. in a yeah. high street or whatever um uh then that would be clear wouldn't it but then you, you, you i'm not saying i'm i'm agreeing with you but then that that means that somebody from the Home Office or some one of their experts has has then got to go through the dictionary and determine which words are illegal when used in certain circumstances. Under well, the, you, I, 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 dare, I dare say you take the 80-20, like any good um, brainstorming session, I think you could get some experienced um, police officers and um, politicians and religious leaders in a room and say, look, what are the the, the, the top 10 words most likely to incite mm. or, or um, be considered threatening behaviour? And you'd probably come up with uh, those words fairly quickly and then over time you can add to them. I don't think you have to go through every word of the Collins Dictionary. Do you know? I, I mean, my, no, my I concern is that you, if you're not... If, if the intent... I'm not saying necessarily it was here, but if the intent is to cause, to stir up racial hatred, then you'll 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 effectively move from one word to the next if that's not within the boundaries of the what's been laid down. Potentially, but all all I'm saying is that I sort of back him on this one. I think it's very difficult mm. for police officers to make these decisions mm. um, when the, the law uh, doesn't forbid these words as opposed to say racist chants which are illegal mm. and they would you know someone would be arrested if they were going around saying horrible racist chants well it's, it's so, mm, sorry yeah. go on no but that's yeah i think so and then it's simple isn't it and as for suella sort of asking him to effectively interpret whichever meaning of in this case jihad the protesters were offering albeit that i get it mm. at this time at this moment with what's going on uh, she's probably right I still don't think she can ask uh, the commissioner uh, to be this uh, psychologist and see inside people's heads mm. Mm, it's interesting because subsequent to that um, uh, the Prime Minister has stepped into this cauldron of debate yeah he has I saw that. you know he's um, in the, uh, only fairly recently in respect of other things he's disagreed with the Home Secretary and he's made it plain, even though she's she's been to see the commissioner, so I understand, and nothing's nothing particularly has come out of that that we know of. But um, the prime minister has said that the, the, there's no there are no plans to change the law to um, to tighten it up, which is what Sir Mark Rowley was asking for in the first place. So quite what happens when the next one of these uh, protests takes place, which it surely will. Um, will be interesting to see what the um, well we'll see know. if pressure's been brought to bear and he he backs down absolutely so Sean um, some news uh, about bankers bonuses mm. big topic uh, for <laughs> several years actually 
Um, now, you, you may recall that shortly after the financial crash in 2008, um, EU rules, and these were EU rules, uh, came into force capping bankers' bonuses and mm. they couldn't earn more than uh, two times their salary. Oh. Uh, it's which, dreadful, isn't it? which doesn't sound too bad a cap to me. No. <laughs> uh, if the cap fits and all that. Uh, uh, and just, just for completeness, it wasn't just banks. It also included building societies and investment management firms. Right. So basically big companies yeah. handling clients' money. That was the thing. Um, but anyway, uh, one of the um, Brexit boosts... Mm. which we've covered before, mm. is the fact that from the 31st of October 23, there will no longer be this two times cap on bankers' bonuses. Mm. And the idea is that it'll be um, good for the City of London because it will make London attractive again as a place to um, employ people yeah. uh, to do their banking dealings. Um, mm. dealings and so forth. So that's that's interesting. Um, and you might think this is government rule, but actually it comes from the regulators, which is the Financial Conduct Authority, the FCA, yep. and the Prudential Regulation Authority, the PRA, which is basically the Bank of England. Those are the two big regulators who regulate um, banks and building societies and the financial system. Uh, but they didn't just come up with this idea on the, the, themselves. They did, in fact, spend a whole year consulting on the issue. And I thought, well, <laughs> I wonder they, how that goes. They, did they, consult? yes. <laughs> they consulted the bankers. <laughs> well, there's a surprise. <laughs> what do you think your cap on your bonus should be removed? Uh, yes. Thank you very much. We'll get back to you. Um, anyway, the regulators are happy that pay is linked to performance, which is, of course, what banks' bonuses do. And in fact, it may lead, and this is me working this over the medium term, it may lead to lower base salaries because what happened was, of course, when this cap was introduced, what banks had to do was increase the base salary. Yeah. Uh, because they couldn't, they didn't have so much variable pay to play with. Um, but obviously, that's not going to happen overnight. And. No. And if you're not performing very well, I don't think the reverse happens where your no. salary well, goes down. Surprise. No. <laughs> so, do, you, do you remember yeah. when this? Because yes. this all, as you said, this all came in after the 2008 crash. Yes. And and you you might remember because the completely the contra argument was put forward then that um, short term bonuses lead to short term perverse behaviour. So that you don't these these people who are trading don't look at what the long term consequences of their investments are because at the end of the year they'll have these huge bonuses and they can then bugger off and do whatever they want elsewhere yeah. Yeah. and the long term consequences of what they've done won't show for goodness knows how many how many years so yeah. how how does you know by lifting this particular um, cap we're presumably saying in this country that you know, we're our dealers and our people in the city aren't subject to these, um, they, they can't succumb to these perverse behaviours the same as these dodgy Europeans can, presumably. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think the FSCA and the PRA said that in so well, many words. No, it wasn't in their report, um, I'm sure. <laughs> um, 
I, I, I think there is some merit in the fact that by um, scrapping this cap uh, in an environment where the other regulations are very, very strict, um, which we have talked about in the past, in particular capital ratios that banks must hold. Mm. I think um, if it makes the City of London a more attractive destination for firms to place themselves and for people to be employed, I think that's a positive for the city. Um, so I'm, I'm sort of relatively on the fence with it, really. Um, just just as an example, because it, 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 these figures, courtesy of the Times, I should name check. Yeah. But if you were a first year analyst, so entry level, yeah. uh, in um, presumably an investment bank, uh, last year average pay was ninety six thousand pounds. Oh, it's hard okay. times. Yeah. So. But this included a bonus of, oh, sorry, a base of 67,000 oh, yeah. topped up with a bonus of 29, first mm. year. Yeah, it's yeah. not bad going, is it, really? Next know. level up, which is an associate, uh, total, total 154,000, which is 95 base plus a 59 bonus. And obviously, as you go up the seniority, the um, those numbers change because it's more... The yeah. ratio would be more bonuses, I guess. Um, so uh, the cap was never popular in Westminster um, or the city. In fact, <laughs> in particular, the city. Uh, George Osborne, who was Chancellor at the time it came in, he thought the rule was self-defeating. And the, the worry being that, you know, we're losing not only to firms not sort of set up here, but we're also losing talent to the likes of New York and Hong Kong because there isn't a cap over there mm. and no doubt that did happen um, where did when, where, no doubt you say where, where's your where's the just anecdotal evidence where's where's the where, where are the figures that we lost talent to New York and Oh, God, <laughs> well, this is just these are the self-same people who produced this report. No doubt, this did happen. Um, <laughs> or is well, it just, I think there's a, there's a view for an opinion, John, and my opinion is that we would have, we would have lost town. <laughs> You're just being awkward, aren't you? The this the the ah, but this is this ah. is his his quiz question for you. Yeah. Um, who was it who first told us that the banker's bonus cap? was likely to be removed who was it uh, it's quite recent oh right um, who was it that told us um, 12 months or so ago I'm trying to be helpful oh it's Rishi Sunak presumably no um, not Liz Truss uh, very close her, her right hand man quasi Quasi Quarteng. Quasi Quarteng. If you remember in the in the was it the mini budget? Oh, I think the mini they called budget. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, this was to make post Brexit Britain more competitive as a financial centre. So you know that's where we are. I, I'm I'm reasonably cool with it, to be honest. I think it, in terms of politics for Sunak, it's. I was going to say it's not a great look and it's political dynamite for Sakir, but. But frankly, after the two by-election results, I'm not sure he needs any more dynamite. No, I think, I, yeah. I, you know, his I just Arsenal think is well stopped. Yeah, I just think it's um, 
it's flawed, isn't it, really? And it's, it's it, as you quite rightly say, politically, it's the direction of travel that's not right, for starters. I mean, yeah. these guys, most people on that, most most British workers would look at £67,000 a year and yeah. then a £29,000 bonus on top yeah. as, as a junior, effectively. You know, this we used to, when we were juniors, we used to take the take the post the postal orders round to the HMRC and what have you, and uh, and got on on minimal. And I just think this is frankly obscene. And if you believe in this argument about retaining talent, then where where's the money for the junior doctors that we need that are flooding out of this country, going to Australia and America and places where they can get higher salaries? Where 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 are their where are their bonuses? Why aren't we? Well, you're going you know, a bit left wing here. I think, <laughs> I think the thing the thing the thing is, if you look at it in the positive, right, it's actually better to help pay for the junior doctors. It's better. <laughs> this is for trickle this down money. economics coming up now, isn't it? <laughs> trickle, trickle, trickle. <laughs> You've had your rant. Let me reply. It's better for all these bankers to get these mega bonuses be taxed 50% plus national insurance on it than for it to stay within the profits of the banks and therefore more money for the NHS, junior doctors, schools, the police. Assuming they're not registered as non-DOMs and have their money money banking offshore somewhere. I, I just, no, these are on be, the payroll, Sean. <laughs> these are on the payroll. There's no, there's no way of avoiding it. They'll be employing the best accountants they can possibly. I mean, that's a trickle down because your accountants, I guess, based exactly. in Guadalupe you, or what have you, you will got, be earning a load of money. Guadalupe? <laughs> 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 you're going to have a city accountant, aren't you? Well, uh, I, I just think, you know, I think most people on the street would be looking at this aghast and saying, they're getting £67,000 starting salary and yeah. a £29,000 bonus, and they're not happy with that. They want more and more and more. And well, they're, no, you know, really. No, they just don't want it to be capped. Pardon? They just don't want it capped. They're not saying they're going to get more. Well, they just don't want it capped. Well, that's. If they're not going to get any get more, more, then why not just leave the cap where it is? There's, some of them are going to get more. Clearly, some of them will, some of them won't. Most of them. If you want anyway, to retain this huge pool of talent from going elsewhere then on the argument that's being made you'll have to you'll have to pay them more anyway i digress well as i said uh, it's political <laughs> dynamite for secure not though he needs it yeah and um, downing street were asked to comment on this and <laughs> the quote back was Downing Street consider it as a matter for the regulators. <laughs> I see. <laughs> Which I see. is why Quasi announced it <laughs> back so in the day. What you were saying earlier then, so the, the, the regulators yeah. themselves yeah. Yeah. determining whether yes. there's a whether there's a cap or otherwise. So how was it the, the um how was it the responsibility of the European Union before them? Was that that was presumably European law? That was legislative law. Uh, point, yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of the the rules that are, are applicable to our institutions mm. were uh, from Europe, but they're yeah. not they're within this within the UK. They're effectively they're regulation responsibility yeah. to the regulator. Well, that stands yeah. well. Doesn't look how well other regulators have done in the field. So, uh, so I'm sure people have got a lot of um, a lot of confidence that that's going to work out well. Anyway, I'm glad you agree with this change. Um, at, uh, 
Oh, I, oh, before I, what it, what I did want to do though was just sort of whilst we're talking about sort of matters finance, mm. I did want to talk briefly about the unemployment data, oh. which has just come out. Um, it's it's basically <coughs> another sign that the economy is slowly slowing. I know that's a bit clumsy, but that's mm. my interpretation. And in particular, in response to interest rates and the rising cost of living, is the unemployment rate has increased a smidgen. It's up to 4.2% in the last three months uh, from 4%. um, And sadly, it means that another 70,000 people are uh, unemployed. Um, And it's sort of added to that, to what we looked at last week when we saw that job vacancies had reduced, if you remember, Mm. Mm. by 43,000. So obviously they're, they're both pulling in the wrong direction if you like, there's yep. fewer job opportunities, but more people unemployed, yeah. uh, and that that's obviously bad news for individuals affected. But but the silver lining is, it, I think it probably is a sign, although it's taken a long, long time. But it probably is a sign that the economy is slowing down, and and many believe we're going to go into a very mild recession as a result of it. And the the silver lining is that it should signal either the the peak of or the beginning of a fall in bank rate yeah yeah because you you wouldn't with this going on you wouldn't want to put more pain into business and into households so i was trying to sort of pull out uh, the the as i say the silver lining out of this news and i think uh, i think that's what it is yeah and um it's being replicated not exactly, but to some extent in other major economies as well. It's interesting, isn't it? Because mm. presumably that means, um, as you quite rightly say, that if we go into a, a minor recession, that's a, a, it's a contraction effectively of the economy. Yep. As you look around, yep. you see companies like Wilkinson, Wilco's going yep. under and other yes. companies going under on the high street that are, that are going to affect um, people's ability to work. And... and Whilst that that's good on one side of the equation in terms of prospect for in inflation and bringing down mortgage rates and and the likes on the other side, it's not good, is it? Because we don't get the growth that you know people like Liz Truss are always screaming for, the growth in the economy, and it also means to a certain extent that we fall behind our some of our international competitors. I mean, you look at the States. I mean, we've spoken a lot, haven't we, on this pod about the um, Inflation Reduction Act. Mm. That's a, that, that, that is pumping money into the economy into, and, and it's growing the American economy, isn't it? It's, it is, it's, yeah. It's leaps and bounds ahead of us. And we have, at the moment, we have no plans from either party, to be fair. We have no plans at the moment to be doing anything similar we we seem we haven't got that we're not no neither of the parties are looking to borrow to invest in the economy and there's a danger isn't there that we continue to contract that we continue to stay in uh, yeah there is uh, I, well, you've only got to look at the growth forecasts haven't you that mm. when they come out they're like one percent or something and they think oh great yeah uh, but it, it, it's going to be a challenge for the next government which presumably will be a, a labour-led government to come out with uh, the bazooka idea that we, we've spoken about before um, because we, we know we can't borrow anymore because the markets won't 
let us. We're not the reserve currency of the world, mm. which is mm. how America get away with it. But they won't let us. Uh, we can't really tax for more <laughs> spending money because people are being taxed into oblivion, particularly by stealth taxes. Uh, interestingly, there was a there was an article today in one of the newspapers saying that uh, dear old pensioners might come in with a shock, uh, suddenly having to start paying tax on their uh, pension no. because the basic allowances haven't gone up and they only need a small second income and all of a sudden their old age pension is taxable. Crikey. Yeah, things like that. Um, so we can't tax anymore. So it's going to need some pretty creative thinking, which is why um, Starmer was banging on about partnerships, wasn't he? So he wants to sort of go, you know, two, three, two for one. So yeah, but but it wasn't wasn't a very well formed idea. So we'll have to see. But um, it's it's a it's it reminds me when um, over the last few years in sort of financial news, where good news is bad news and bad Mm. news is good news, and Mm. here we go, bad news: employment has gone up. But it's good news because in the medium term, interest rates should start to fall. Well, that's it for this week. We hope you enjoyed Riff Raff News. Please leave some comments on the app or on our Facebook page. And uh, please subscribe and then episodes will drop automatically into your podcast feed.